Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right. Good evening, everybody. It's good to be here tonight. Thank you for coming. Uh, We're excited about the opportunities that God is opening for us there in Zambia. And it's exciting to be almost done. Uh, so it's been a long time in coming. I first surrendered to go to Zambia, Africa in 2014. And here we are moving over in 2022. Talk about patience. <laughs> Learning to be patient in God's timing. And His timing is perfect. And honestly, it's been good because um, we actually, when we first started deputation, we had planned to be done uh, right now and moving over here within the next month or so. And then... Uh, as we were in the middle of deputation, they obviously COVID hit, so it kind of changed plans, kind of extended a couple things that we weren't planning on. Uh, but Zambia actually had their elections just this last month, and they were predicting a volatile election. So they were actually telling us not to go right now. And uh, thankfully, everything went smooth. Uh, the elections, there really wasn't very much volatility in it. Um, but they're still in the pr- process of transitioning. Governments are transitioning, and that's always a difficult situation for any country. And so God's timing is perfect, probably is better. I mean, if we tried to ship barrels and stuff right now, I'm sure it'd get lost in customs. We'd never see it. So <laughs> we're thankful that it, God's timing was perfect in regards to that. So we just continue to ask for your prayers. Turn with me, if you will. I want to look at a thought tonight, and uh, I promise not to keep you too late. I know that it's Sunday night, and, uh, but Luke chapter 14, we're going to look at a verse, and then we're not going to stay here. We're going to go to another passage. We're going to look at another story, common story that we all know, but I want to bring out some different things that God has showed me uh, from His Word. But turn with me to Luke chapter 14. I want to bring out a verse here, verse number 26. Luke 14, verse number 26. And uh, this passage became real in my own life, and I'll tell you a little bit why. But in verse 26, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Now, if you stop there, a lot of people would be like, yeah, there's some people I don't like, right? How many of you guys, there's probably that one person in your life that you really don't like? How about uh, at the family gathering every year? There's always the black sheep, right? That's why they call them that. There's always that person that nobody wants to talk to, or they get in that long conversation that drags on for hours <laughs> you regret, or the one guy that has that opinion that just has to contradict everything you say every time. We all have those. But this isn't what he's talking about here. Notice with me, because it goes in, I believe that it clarifies the entire verse with this next phrase. It says there, yay, and his own life also. Now, how often do we, we don't really hate our own lives. We don't hate ourselves. In fact, we love ourselves. How many of you guys ate today? Because you love yourself. We do. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to make sure that we're okay. We do these things to protect ourselves. And the Bible says here that, yea, in his own life also, he cannot 
be my disciple. Notice verse 27, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And notice also with me in verse number 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And so I want to ask a question tonight. We're going to go to another story and kind of draw these all together. I'll ask a question. What are you willing to give? And uh, this passage here actually became real in my own life after I surrendered to go to the mission field. Uh, my, my sister and I had been at that missions conference, and we had both surrendered our lives to go to the mission field. We thought God was calling us in some aspect toward, to the mission field. And um, we came home at, Chris, or at Thanksgiving break and decided it would be a good time to announce that to our parents over Thanksgiving dinner. Well, let me tell you, that was the worst decision of our life. <laughs> it was a bad day. My parents were not happy. My dad was very upset. Reason being is he had bought quite a bit of property there in, uh, in Ohio, and we had a nice farm, and he had a place for all of us to build houses and live nearby, and he wanted us to live by and, and, and have that with him. And it really what I think ended up happening was the fact that God was working in my own dad's heart about getting into the ministry. My dad's a pastor now, and he actually became a pastor about a year and a half after we surrendered to go to the mission field. And so it's interesting to see how God's actually working in people's lives. Whether you know it or not, there's a reason for it. But it was a challenge for me because I had to sit there and look at my own dad, my own family, and say, no, I believe God's calling me to the mission field whether you like it or not. And this is where this passage, it wasn't that I really hated my mother and my father. It was the fact that I hated that their control of my life would keep me from serving God. And so I want to bring out a question to you tonight. We're going to look at the story of Caleb tonight. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the biblical character of Caleb. Uh, but I want to look at the story of Caleb tonight. And I want you to notice some things that God showed me out of this passage. And some ideas that maybe we have forgotten as Christians. And in order to challenge our hearts in order to reach a lost and dying world. This is a missions month. And I want to challenge us in regards to missions, not only on the foreign field, but on a personal level. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll go to this next passage. Turn with, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house, Lord. I pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that is said and done. Uh, Lord, that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray that you would just be honored and glorified in the services. Lord, and I pray that uh, our lives would be uh, challenged by your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Numbers. Numbers chapter number 13. Now, we all know the story of Caleb and Joshua. We understand that what are, yeah, Caleb and Joshua, as they go into the land, they go to spy out the land, and as they go in and spy out the land, they come back. In verse number 26, uh, if you look at verse 25, they say, and they return from searching of the land after 40 days. So they're there for 40 days and they come back. And as they come back into the land, they start to give an account for, of what is going on. And we know what happens. I'm not going to read the whole story tonight, but when you look at what happens, Caleb and Joshua come back in the land and the 10 uh, spies sit there and they say, we can't do it. This is too much. It's, it's, it's a dangerous land. Notice with me, though, the fruits of the land, because if you look at, we're going to have to read it. I just can't do it. We're going to have to do it. Verse number 27, start with me there. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. 
and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now remember, look at verse number 23. They go in there and they cut down a cluster of grapes and they carried it between two men. Now, I mean, I've seen some grapes in my day. I've seen some nice grapes. I love grapes, but I've never yet ever seen a cluster of grapes that big. Has any here? I mean, that is incredible. And they go in there, they're bringing that out of the land of promise. And they come into this land, uh, come back to the children of Israel, and they say, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. All 12 spies said it. They said, it flows with milk and honey. But notice here, they go and they say, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. But notice verse number 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And I want to bring out four simple questions tonight. The general thought is, what will you give? And I'm not talking about finances tonight. Because nobody wants to hear a missionary preach on finances. And number two, uh, I don't believe that's the all important thing. As the preacher said earlier, he said, prayer is one of the greatest things. And prayer is one of the greatest things that a missionary needs in our lives. I talked to the kids in junior church about that today. Today, prayer is what is important in our lives. But I want to talk about four simple areas of how we're going to follow God. And because we follow God... He determines what we will give to him. Would you be willing to follow God if everyone is going a different direction? Look at this story here. You see Caleb goes in there and he says he stilled the people before Moses and let us go up at once and possess it. In verse number 31, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against it for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land. And they go in verse number 33 and say, the children of Anak are there and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And then in verse number or one of chapter 14, it says, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night. Now imagine with me, take the think back in the story Caleb is there in this, in this time, right? And he's there, and they're going to make a decision that day whether or not they're going to go into a land that God has already promised them. They left their homes in Egypt. They plundered Egypt. They took all the gold and everything out of the land of Egypt. They watched Pharaoh's army get destroyed. They drank waters that were bitter that God healed for them. They've seen God smite, or Moses smite rocks and water come out of it. They've seen themselves defeat the armies at the time, some of the largest armies at the time. They defeated them just by Moses holding up his hands. They've seen God perform miracle after miracle. They have manna that has sustained them through this whole time. As they're traveling through, their shoes have not even gone bad. Their clothes are not going bad. How many of you guys have shoes that go bad? I mean, they do, right? Everybody's things. They have experienced every good thing that we think of on this earth that God can provide. They've experienced it all. And they're there in that day, and as a decision, they decide, we are not going to follow God into the land of promise. We're going a different direction. And Caleb, Joshua, Moses, and Aaron are the only ones we see in this passage that take a stand. Now imagine with me, four men, and Caleb's the most outspoken in this entire passage. He goes and he says, 
We are able to take this land. As a Christian, are you willing to take a stand even though an entire known people group is going a different direction? From what we know of how many people came out of the land of Egypt, we believe there was millions that were in the wilderness that were wandering around millions that took up and said, we are not going to go into the land of promise. And Caleb says, I am going into the land of promise. Now think about this with me as well. The Bible says that Caleb was promised to go into the land of promise, but what about his brothers? Because we know that he has a brother, Othniel, who becomes a judge in Israel later on, is one of Caleb's brothers, and we see him later on. But we never see the brother, ever. What about Caleb's parents? Where was Caleb's parents? More than likely, they're in the wilderness with them. They died off in the wilderness. Caleb stood up against his own family because he knew what God was saying was right. Christian, in a world today where it seems like everything we do is going to be polarizing opposite of what the world teaches, it should be good that we can find hope and strength in our church and in ourselves that we all take a stand together. But don't let the church be the one that's turning people away as much as the world is. And that's where it's a challenge in our lives because we see here that Caleb says, you know what? I am willing to go into the land of promise. And we see Joshua stays with him and he goes in there. But would you be willing as a Christian in your life today to follow God even if everyone else around you is a different direction? It's a challenge. As I said, I grew up in a Christian family and I haven't faced the hardships that maybe some of you who have unsaved family members have. I know that there can be that draw or there can be that conflict in those homes. But the Bible is real and truth is truth. Would you be willing to follow God even in that? And that's a challenge for us. But not only that, I want to look at the next thought. Will you follow God even if it means years of waiting? Look at this, Numbers chapter 14, verse number 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. He's saying, Caleb, I'm going to bring you in. Notice with me in verse number um, of the same passage, uh, chapter, number 30. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I spare, swear unto you, dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. In chapter, or verse number 38, he says the same thing. In 26, Numbers 26, verse number 55, he says again, Caleb is going to go into the land of promise. If you look at Numbers chapter 32, verse number 12, he says again, Caleb is going into the land of promise. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse number 36, this is Moses. This is after all those 40 years of wandering. Moses is retelling the law, and he says, Caleb, is going into the land of promise. Now, I've had some times, and as I said earlier tonight, there's been times in my ministry as I follow God, I was planning on going to the mission field, I had surrendered to go in 2014, and here we are moving over in 2022. Now, God used this time in my life to help me grow. Number one, I got a wife, which was important, right? And so I'm thankful for that. She, she keeps me sane. Um, and then also, I have, we have kids, so it changes my perspective from that aspect. I got to work in my home church, and I got experience in working in ministry, and there was things that God used in my life during that time, and then also, He has changed our plans slightly and just helped us direct and be more focused on where we're working and how we're going to do things, 
And so those things are important for us. Those years of waiting were important in my life. They helped me grow. But so many times as Christians, when we go through a waiting process, we fall by the wayside rather than continue in the path that we're supposed to continue. And could you imagine with me 40 years of wandering in a wilderness, dealing with people that constantly are going against everything that God has said? Because if you look at that 40 years, it is a miserable 40 years. It really is. Now, yes, God's providing. Yes, there's manna from heaven. Yes, there's the, the quail that comes up. We see those great things that God does. But at the same time, there's people that are murmuring, complaining all the time. And there's always this conflict of, are we going to serve God or are we not going to serve God? And how many of you guys, when you deal with somebody that you don't like or that naysayer in your life, do you prefer not to spend a lot of time with them, right? Imagine millions of naysayers wandering around that you have to stay with and literally are watching them and waiting for them to die so that you can go into a land that you believed in and that you know that God has promised to you. Talk about patience and perseverance and faith. Christian, our lives, man, if we can learn so much just from that little aspect of Caleb's life, that he was willing to serve God even after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, taking by faith that God was going to get him there, and not looking at the people around him that are just constantly complaining about the issues at hand. If we can keep our eyes focused on Christ, what does what uh, the verse in the Bible talk about? looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christian, what are we here for? We're here to reach a lost and dying world, and we're looking for Him that died on the cross so that we can have a home in heaven one day. And sometimes it's, I understand, I am the same way, I get bogged down in the day-to-day. And as a Christian, do, do, how many of you, in all honesty, do you get bogged down in the day-to-day of Christian living? And do we forget that we can't get distracted by everything around us, but put our eyes on Him. Because that is our hope. And that is our joy. And that is what we have to look forward to. And Caleb kept his focus in the right direction. And that's how he was able to make it 40 years in a land of not opportunity, obviously, of problem and conflict and disappointment and naysayers. All those things, all those conflicts that he had, and he kept his eyes on Christ. Would you be willing to follow God even if it means years of waiting? A lot of us, we want God to answer prayers. We want God to do things now. How many of you guys like that? I love it. I love it when God answers your prayer right away. It's great. (laughs) How many of you had answers to questions that took years in making? Uh, We talked to a lady. Actually, I believe she was from this church. It was a pastor's wife. Um, up north of here, and she actually said that she had prayed for her brother to get saved for over 40 years. Over 40 years. And he got saved. Years of praying for somebody to get saved. And she didn't get bogged down in the day-to-day. There's a Zambian pastor, a friend of mine that uh, is over there in Zambia. His daughter got cerebral malaria earlier in January 2020. And as we said, malaria is one of the most dangerous things in Zambia. 
a lot of people get it, and cerebral malaria is the worst. And uh, she had cerebral malaria, and because of that, where they were at, he had gone from where he was at in southern Zambia to go to northern Zambia. He's actually reaching into those villages in Lake Tanganyika, which I, I mentioned in Sunday school. And he's actually up there pastoring now, and it's an area where I got to preach at. Well, while he was up there ministering, his daughter got malaria, and in that part of Zambia, there's not very good medical. Most of Zambia doesn't have great medical, uh, but there especially, it's very, very limited. Uh, the clinic that was there is no bigger than maybe half this stage. It's, it's very, very small, and that's all they have. So she got it, and when they got there, the people in the village said, take her to the witch doctor, the witch doctor will help her. And he says, no, I'm not taking her to the witch doctor. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe that God can take care of her. And so he said, but he, he needed to take her to a, a hospital because there were some, some serious problems. And uh, so she, they put her on a boat, and that part of Zambia takes eight hours from boat to get to the other place where there's an actual hospital. So he gets to this other hospital, and let me tell you, it's not an enjoyable ride. I've done it a few times, and it's, it's yes, it's a test of faith right there. <laughs> You don't know if that boat's going to sink out there or not. Um, but you go out there, and you're across this lake. He gets to this other side, and when he gets there, he says, okay, I'm going to take her to the hospital. He takes her to the hospital. The doctor says, I don't know that she's going to make it. So he's asking us, hey, pray for her. Pray for, pray for my daughter. Pray for our family. His family that was down in southern Zambia was like, see, why did you go up to northern Zambia? You took her and put her in a position where she's going to die, and that's your fault. And he, he was getting very much pressure from his family to leave and to go down to southern Zambia back and leave all the ministry and leave everything. And so he was discouraged. The people in the village were saying, you need to take her to the witch doctor. And during this time, he's struggling. He's struggling with what to do. And he's asking us to pray. And we start praying and we're praying. And when we pray, we ask God to do things and we want him to do them now, right? Well, as they're in the hospital, they said, we'll put her on a quinine drip. The quinine drip is going to help with the malaria, but more than likely, it will cause her to go deaf. It will cause her to not be able to speak, and she probably will have some mental handicaps. And he's like, well, I mean, if that's all you can do, and that's all they could do. So they started it. They started the treatment, and as they do the treatment, they go through, and in the process of time, she, she starts to recover. And he's like, yes, she's recovering. But after she recovered, she recovered from the sickness, but she couldn't speak, she couldn't hear, and she had mental, some mental handicaps. They could tell that she was not, not doing well. And so he's discouraged. He's like, you know, God, I believe you called me here. I believe you want me here. I believe you wanted me to breach these people. But yet this is happening to me. I'm discouraged. His family is saying, see, why don't you come back to southern Zambia? The people in the village were like, see, why don't you take him to the witch doctor? And so he's just discouraged. And he continued, and he continued, and we prayed, and we prayed. And this happened in January of 2020. In June of 2020, I finally got a, a phone call message from him and looked at the message, and he showed, sent me a video of his daughter speaking. She can hear. She can speak. And from we know, what we know, there's not a single ounce of mental handicap whatsoever. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of God. You know what? That village now is more open to hear the gospel because they see that God is able to heal. Far beyond what a witch doctor may have been able to do. What if he had quit in the middle of that? Do you think God may not even heal his daughter? Maybe that village would never be able to be reached. But he had the patience and the perseverance to persevere through a circumstance. 
God may place you in a trial in your life, and I believe strongly that God places trials in our lives. Look at Job. Job was a perfect man in the eyes of God. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but I mean, he was a good, righteous man in the eyes of God. And God put him through one of the greatest trials of any Christian's life, and he came through it praising God. Yeah, we understand he rocked. He faltered. We all do. But God was glorified in the end. Christian, would you be willing to follow God even if it means years of waiting? It may be years of waiting to see that lost loved one that you know get saved. It may be years of waiting in somebody's health crisis that you know of. It may be years of waiting in in just your own life in a battle that you're facing. But God is still faithful, and he still will bring out the victory. Number three, third question, and I promise we'll be wrapping it up here quick. Would you follow God even if it cost your life? Turn with me to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 4, or not Josh, yeah, Joshua, yeah, okay. I was going to another book. That was my fault. Joshua chapter 14. Notice with me this passage here. Um, if you look at this passage, Caleb comes into it and he says, hey, 40 years old, in verse number 7, he says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of God, sent me in the land of promise. He sent me in the land of promise. He said, you are going to go in. And he says, here I am 45 years later. He's 85 now. And he says, give me that mountain. He's like, hey, you know what? Remember when we were over there and the Anakims and the Anak, the children of Anak were there and they had that big mountain and we didn't go into the land of promise because of it. Everybody was scared. He says, I want that one. He's 85. And he says, I am going to go in there. And the Bible says, notice with me in verse number 12. I notice this verse. In verse number 11, he says, I am as strong this day as I was then. Now God may have kept his strength. But I, I wonder partially if it's just the guy had good ego. <laughs> He's just like, you know what, I'm tough. And he probably was tough. But notice in verse number 12, though. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou hearest, heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. God said he was going to bring him to the land of promise. But God never promised him the mountain. He still had to fight for it. Could you imagine that you go in, you've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, you finally go in, you start to fight, you go into the land of promise, you're fighting all these places, you're starting to get this inheritance, you go and you say, I want that mountain in 85, you say, you know what, if God's with me, I'm taking that mountain and that's my inheritance. And we know that he goes in there, he defeats them, he takes that mountain, it becomes the inheritance. And we look at that and we're like, wow. But would you be willing to serve God even if it may have cost your life? Look at this. He, was, he could have lost. He could have died in the battle. Yes, his kids may have had the inheritance. They could have won in the end. But he had no guarantee that he was going to survive the battle on that mountain. And he was willing to do it anyways. Now, Christian, we haven't been faced with the loss of life in our lives here in America We haven't had to face that battle as if we take a stand on the Word of God that we may die. We do have brothers and sisters overseas that have. I know some men in Eritrea, Africa that have been beaten and persecuted for the cause of Christ. Some have died for the cause of Christ. There are some of brothers and sisters in Sudan. We have brothers and sisters all over Africa, all over the Middle East that have died for the cause of Christ because they believe God's Word is real.
We haven't been faced with that yet. But it's a thought for us to think about. If that time were to come, would we be found faithful? And I, I struggle with it myself. Would we be found faithful? Would, be, would we fight to the end? It's not about a political agenda at that point. It's about believing God. If he says, if somebody were to come and tell you, do you believe in Allah or do you believe in God? Would we be willing to sit there and say, I believe God is the only God, the true God of heaven who died on a cross for me? That's a challenge. It's a challenge, and I'm, I have nowhere gotten close to arriving there in my own life. I'm not saying that tonight. But it's something for us to think about, that we would be so committed to God, no matter where we're at, that we would be willing to follow him through anything. Daniel was willing to be thrown in a den of lions in order to serve his God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in a fiery furnace because they believed their God. Whoa, that we would be so found faithful. And that's a challenge. But if we look at that story, we'd be like, oh, that's great. You know, that's the end of it. Caleb gets everything. That's fantastic, right? He gets the inheritance. And as for many years, I thought that's what happened. But I want you to notice with me, and we're going to close with this, but I want you to notice with me. I was reading through my Bible reading earlier this year. In Joshua, and this is when I started to develop this message. In Joshua chapter 21, notice with me a certain passage. Joshua 21 is now talking about the children of Israel getting their inheritance, and now he's talking about the tribe of Levi that gets their inheritance. Now the tribe of Levi had an inheritance that was given to them among the children of Israel, and they were given cities. And notice with me um, in 21, Chapter 21, verse number 8. And the children of Israel gave by lot unto the Levites these cities with their suburbs, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses and the children of Judah, and out of the tribe of the children of Simeon. These cities, which are here mentioned by name, which the children of Aaron, being the families of the Kohathites, who were of the children of Levi, had, for theirs was the first lot. So they're saying, hey, this is the city that they're going to be given. Notice the city. And they gave them the city of Arba, which is the father of Anak, which city is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah, with the suburbs thereof round about it. Turn back with me to Matthew, uh, Joshua chapter 14. I forgot to read this verse to you. Notice verse number 15 of chapter 14. And the name of, the, the name of Hebron before, oh, notice verse number 14, sorry. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. So that's his city. Hebron was his city that was given. And now you're reading here in verse number 11 that they gave the city to the children of Aaron, the Levites. Notice verse 12. But the fields of the city and the villages thereof gave they to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for his possession. Thus they gave to the children of Aaron, the priest, Hebron, with their suburbs, to be a city of refuge for the slayer, and Libna with her suburbs. Think about this. And this is where I want to close tonight. God allows Caleb to take a stand against the entire known people group. He takes a stand, and because of that, he's promised to go into the land of promise. And God says, you'll go into the land of promise, and I will give that land as a possession to your seed. 
And he goes in there and he gets that and he says, okay, I'm ready to fight. He goes up there, he fights, takes this mountain. As he takes that mountain, he fights and gains a city. And he gets that city and God says, this city is going to be your inheritance, the city of Hebron. And then a short period of time later, God takes the very city that he waited 40 years for, he fought for, he literally stood up against his own family for, and God says, I want you to give it back to me to give it to an inheritance to my chosen people that minister to me. My last question tonight as a Christian would, would you be willing to follow God even if he asks you to give back everything that, you've given, that he's given you? And this is where it becomes a little bit more of a challenge. Because we can, we can say, I'll serve God even if it means time, if I gotta wait, all these things. But what if it's your kid that wants to go to the mission field? Or what if it's your life that God is asking you to give up to go to the mission field? What if it's your time that God is asking you to give up to reach your neighbor with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Caleb was promised to go into the land of promise. And he got that. And he fought, but you don't see that Caleb ever complains or murmurs against God in any of this. In fact, if I think he, if he had, there would have been something that would have happened. There would have been a story or something. We don't see that. And I think what speaks to the character of Caleb at this point is the fact that you don't see any problems. Christian, how often when God wants us to give up something in our life do we not want to give it up even though he gave it to us? The Bible says, for you are bought with a price. Christ died on a cross for us, gave us eternal life, and all he asks us to do is to give back part of our life to him in service to him. In some aspect, in some way, God may call one of you to be a Sunday school teacher. God may call you to be a junior church worker. God may call you to be a nursery worker. And you may be like, that's not really a calling. That is something God is placing you in your life at this time for a purpose to do. And that is our duty. Don't ever think that there's something too small. Caleb thought, I'm just going to go possess a land. And he possessed the land, and the city became a city of refuge. And if you look at the cities of refuge, it's a whole other message. Those cities became a vital part of Jewish history. People that were in the straits, that they were going to die, would run to that city of refuge. It's a beautiful picture of the cross and what happens at, at Calvary for us as Christians. It's also a beautiful picture of a light. Those cities were there as a light for those communities. There's so many great things that you can draw out of that. And what I want to challenge us with is God will place us in trials. God will place circumstances in our life. And all these things are to do one thing and one thing only, to bring honor and glory to him. That is what you're here for. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to Zambia, Africa, not for myself, but for God's honor and glory. You are here to bring honor and glory to him. But it's sometimes it's a challenge for us to give up something that we hold so dear in order to see him do something so great. It's a challenge for us. So thank you, brother. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons 
by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.